Zeros. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Follow me on Twitter at Josh G. Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports. The website, ClockerSports.com. And the email address is ClockerSports at gmail.com. We have a finals matchup, folks. We have a finals matchup. It is official. Uh, after six games in the Eastern Conference, we finally have a finals matchup. So, this is going to be the LeBron and Pat Riley finals because you have uh, the Los Angeles Lakers taking on the Miami Heat and obviously, that's the storyline. Um, this one is, is one I don't think many people saw. Now, I picked the Lakers to uh, make it to the finals before the season started. My pick in the East, though, was the Philadelphia 76ers. That obviously did not happen and I pivoted when Ben Simmons went down. For obvious reasons. Um, So I did pivot to the Heat, but I can't sit there and say that I was on the bandwagon for the entire time. I just was impressed by the time that I did pivot with what I saw. That being said, this is going to be an interesting matchup because um, I think, you know, first of all, Lakers Lakers in, in, I think, five. I'm not sure this game makes it, this makes it six. If it makes it six, I'll be impressed, but I think this is Lakers in five. LeBron gets his fourth ring. Um, Here's what's interesting about this. Miami made it through the conference finals shooting the worst field goal percentage of any team and the worst three-point percentage of any team at 45 and 32% respectively. Uh, Los Angeles made it through as the best uh, in both categories, 50%, 34%. That's going to be a problem. You're not going to be able to get away with uh, shooting poorly against this team. The Lakers are just are just dominant. And we saw that with uh, Anthony Davis averaging 31-6 and six in the last round, Brown 27-10-9. Uh, meanwhile, for the uh, Miami Heat, they had 21 and 11 from Bam Adebayo. Goran Dragic, we talked about him a couple of episodes ago. He was the leading scorer, but he still averaged 20 points per game. Jimmy and Tyler Hero averaged 19-6 and about five. Hero, I think, was just under five assists. Here's what's interesting about that. Uh, th- those those point totals aren't going to be good enough. Uh, if Jimmy wants to be considered amongst the greats he's gonna have to put out more points you know he's gonna have to he's gonna have to up raises his his point output his scoring output if i could get that (laughs) phrase out jimmy's going to have to raise his scoring output and i think that's going to be something that ultimately shows up whether or not um is going to determine whether or not the the heat win this series now granted he doesn't have to be the scoring guy the threat most nights but i think it's going to be very important here because if he doesn't well then they're going to risk not having enough see here's the thing you would like to think that he could just go out there and be a pest to LeBron, but you have to make LeBron expensive energy as well. Otherwise, he's going to be a pest all the, on the other side <clears throat> as a passer and on the other end of the ball, so of the court. So this one is something that I think I'm keeping an eye on that matchup. Um, Bam Adebayo against Anthony Davis is also one that I'm keeping an eye on because honestly, I want to see exactly what it is that. Davis does when met with a physical presence like Bam. See, last round, Joker Joker can be physical, but he's not really, he's more of a finesse player. At least that's how I see him. And I think that AD really has had his way. Bam is a guy who's going to at least put up the fight. 
Now, he will have to deal with Dwight Howard as well. Uh, he's given him 8-5 and five and some really good minutes. But the scoring output for the, for the Lakers is actually much shallower than it is for the Heat. So you just wonder if the Heat are able to rotate those guys through and keep coming at them in waves and wear them down that way. Because like I said, they're not doing a great job from the floor. And if you're not going to be shooting well from the floor, then you better be getting some stops. And they, they made it through the last round scoring less points per game, averaging less points per game, uh, shooting worse from the floor and from three, and shooting, I think, worse from the free throw line than the Boston Celtics, and they still won 4-2. They're going to get up against this Miami team that's not only the best offense, but they're also averaging nine steals per game. This is going to be a very tough matchup for the Heat, and if Pat Riley's going to want to, wants to win this one, He's going to have to use all of his and Spolstra's knowledge of, uh, about LeBron and how to shut him down to, to get it done. Because, ooh, again, you're going to need much better scoring outputs from guys like Duncan Robinson uh, shooting like 20% from three in, the, in this round, in the last round. That's not good enough. Jimmy's shooting like 18% from – it's not good enough. You got you guys, those two have to raise up their, their game, I think, the most. You're getting what you're supposed to get from Bam. You're getting more than enough from Bam and Goran. Uh, but Jimmy and, and Duncan and Duncan's Duncan's not really the guy. It's Jimmy. Jimmy's gonna have to have to do a little bit more to uh, pull this one out. But I, I still don't think it's gonna make it more than five games. I'd be impressed if they make it six, and I'd be obviously impressed if they won it. But five games, five games tops, Lakers. Uh, in other basketball news, Doc Rivers has decided to part ways with the Los Angeles Clippers in the. About four-paragraph statement from Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, not Lawrence Frank, the president of the Clippers, uh, basically just thanking Doc for his service and announcing they're moving in a different direction. Um, Rivers is the only coach in NBA history to lose a 3-1 lead in three different playoff series, having done so with the Clippers back in 2015 against the Houston Rockets in the Western Semifinals, against the Magic in the first round, or I'm sorry, with the Magic in the first round against the Pistons in 03, and of course this year in 2020 against the Denver Nuggets. Um... He's been with them to, since 2013, 63% winning percentage. Uh, his 943 wins are the 11th most all-time. Here's the thing about this, though. We talked about Kawhi saying that they need to get smarter. And I was thinking that he was talking about Pat Bev or Samantrez, you know, because the, the, the speaking and all that kind of stuff. Maybe even Paul George, the way he was looking at him, you know, the, the still images. But no one, I don't think anybody thought Doc would be the one to go. That seems weird. Now, maybe it's because... They're kind of locked into this roster, and so you can't change the roster, but you can damn sure get rid of the coach who's been here for this long and hasn't been able to get multiple variations of this group or multiple variations of this of this team uh, past this point. So, again, the 2-3-1 losses, especially with this one franchise, have to be a factor. He's already had offer or not offers, but he's already been reached out to, I believe, with interest from the New Orleans Pelicans, so... That'd be a good spot for him, actually. A team that's looking to get to this point. Um, that's what he can do. He can definitely get you to this point. I'm not sure how much further than that, but to this point would be a good start for the Pelicans, uh, to the to where the Clippers are. The immediate replacements for him in L.A. are looking to be Ty Lue and uh, Sam Cassell. Listen, Ty Lue. Ty Lue is becoming Brute, man. He He's he's just sitting right there, A2 Brute, just, you know, Right, ready to, to assume that role. If, if Ty Lue was on your staff, beware, because you're, you're probably not going to make it much longer. That's an interesting uh, thought, especially if he gets. I think he should get it, but I, I, that's ooh, that's quite the maneuver. 
And and I think his reputation would be quite interesting seeing how that would develop going forward because I, you can't ignore that that would be the second time that that's happened for him. Uh, in the spot, this one much more high profile. I mean, nobody thought that David Blatt was going to get it. But, yeah, that's 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 an interesting one. Mm. Uh, in other news, Victor Oladipo reportedly once out of Philadelphia. You know that he uh, came back from that quad injury this year, averaged 14 points in the regular season. And then 18 points in the playoffs, had a couple of 20-point outings, but the Pacers were swept, and he was the third option on the team. And there's talks that when Sabonis comes back, he could also slide down to fourth, that is, Oladipo. That would make sense to want to get out of there. Who knows where he ends up going. Boston has been talked about being out there. Uh, maybe he heads out west somewhere. But that's an interesting name because when he's right, Vic can be a, a, at least a, a very, very good Nightwing. We talk about there's a Batman, there's a Robin, but I think in between there, there's that Nightwing guy who can be a number one on most nights, but not on the championship team. Um, I think Vic can be that dude. And honestly, I don't blame him for wanting to get out of Indy. That's That makes all the sense in the world to want to get out of the Alpha Pacers. So keep a lookout for that. We talked about that too. He should have he should have stayed out and got healthy because he came back and didn't help himself in getting that extension. And Kelvin Pritchard, the president of the Pacers said that they're not in any hurry to get him a deal done. They're willing to let him play Rod's free agency. Well, okay, well, let me go now then and get with the contender and try to do something, and, and then maybe we can work about an extension there. That makes a lot of sense. I, I He should have never came back. He had the deal where he was able to go down there, get his money, and not have to participate. He participated, and now they're acting funky about his money. After he came, he should have set out. I said it when it happened. He should just stay out. He was the finesse of the year. He gave that up, and now look at you. Try and get traded. Uh, Andrew Wiggins threw a little bit of shade at former teammate Carl Anthony Towns talking about Jimmy Butler, saying that he was happy for him overall and uh, talked about, you know, that's just what he does, and he's a dog, and he said a third. But a little bit further in, he said, acknowledging the, the label that Jimmy's been called a locker room cancer, he said, yeah, that's – that's uh, something that he feels like was some from certain people who couldn't handle certain situations. I feel like the majority of people, including even me, we love playing with Jimmy. Now listen, there's only one other person who was on that team who could now. To be fair, there's probably one person all the entire time who could have gotten who had enough pull to get Jimmy gone. But this seems to make it pretty cut and dry that Cat was the one who wanted Jimmy out of there and couldn't take the heat. Uh, so to speak, pun intended, I guess, uh, of Jimmy Butler just trying to grind it out. And you know what? That that got him kicked out of Chicago because they didn't think they could build around him. They thought he would be too abrasive to be the focal point of an offense when actually the most success that they had prior to, well, success that they've had since the Derrick Rose era was with Jimmy, Dwayne Wade, and uh, Rajon Rondo, who is playing very well for the Lakers right now in the playoffs, by the way. Interesting how that works out. Um, interesting how where everybody is right now. Rondo and Butler are in the finals, and Garpex are on the sideline. Mm, that might be an article for Pippin ain't easy. You know what? That's exactly what it is. Um, so, yeah, man, listen. Cat is a dude who I think is talented, but there are definite questions about his, his toughness. We saw uh, Joel Embiid saying that he missed Jimmy basically this offseason. That leads you to believe that that was Ben Simmons there. I, I mean... I I don't find that hard to believe that either one of those guys were the ones who decided not to uh, own up to what Butler was demanding of them. And 
Just glad to see Butler's getting the most out of this bunch of ragtag guys down there in Miami. Hopefully, he can get some games because, again, like I said, I think this goes five. Real quick before we switch topics, I do have to talk about this. I just want to say it real fast and throw it out there and then ponder on this and get back to me. Boston is Denver. The Boston Celtics are the Denver Nuggets. Two teams that are very team-oriented, very built around the system, around sharing the ball, around uh, two guys, really, but really everybody getting a little bit of something. And they're just a piece short. They're a piece away. Something's missing. They're just missing that one. For Boston, you might say it's a big. For, for Denver, you might say it's just that third guy, and maybe that's just Michael Porter Jr. finishing, uh, flourishing into his role. But they're missing something, and I don't think it's it's far off to say that both of them are really similar teams when you think about it. But it it, it kind of it kind of dawned on me because when I was just I was just watching, and it's for Denver, you know, they rely on Jamal Murray when he couldn't get it done. You saw much of struggle, and I I pondered if it was. Murray's team or if it was Jokic's team and I'm still kind of stuck in between the two because I still think that they they rely more on Jokic playing well maybe not scoring a lot of points but playing very well for them to win much more so than they do uh, for Murray to be effective but when Murray's ineffective it seems like they just couldn't do anything you saw big games from Jeremy Grant and it still wasn't enough before they got eliminated by the Lakers um, as far as Boston they just didn't seem to have enough to get over the hump. They didn't have the toughness. They couldn't grind it out when they needed to. You had uh, Jason Tatum struggling through the first half of every single game. Um, you had Kimball Walker just not seeming to do enough, right? Like he, he was torn between trying to be a point guard and not really doing that and then being the scoring option but not really being the premier scoring option that he can be then if, if he's going to decide to do that role. So – it was kind of like a, a team that without direction, um, and the, the, and what it comes down to is I don't know if either team has a superstar. I talked about it before the playoffs started. Jason Tatum's ascension, right? Everybody wanted to deem him as a superstar, and I said he's a star, and I think we're going to see if he can become a, a superstar. But this is where it had to happen. And while he played very well, there were that slow start cost them clearly they could have you think they couldn't have used the extra five ten points in the first half i'm just saying this is and that's that's no knock on what he got on the points that he did get but it's uh you know when you score the points definitely matters and i think that they might be one of the the prime examples of that because they were getting beat in the fourth quarter and he wasn't doing much until the second half so if that's when you're doing much when you're doing your thing and you're still getting beat up that's a problem. That means that you're doing it at, at probably the least effective time. How would you stake us to that big lead so now that they're they're the ones out here expending all that energy uh, feverishly trying to catch up instead of us? That's, I think, something that was missing from the Boston gameplay and from Denver. When Denver – Denver just got beat up. Um, Lakers by far average the most free throw attempts, and that could be something that to look out for in the, in the finals as well. But Denver just doesn't have enough. And I, I said that. I Listen, I didn't think they'd make it this far. I said this was their ceiling, but I had no expectation for them to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Thanks, Clippers, um, for robbing everybody of the finals that we thought we were going to see and costing Doc Rivers' his job. Um, PG-13 escaped off like a smooth criminal in this one, I guess. Um, Kawhi, too, because he, yeah, was bad. Um, so, yeah, I just, I didn't think Denver had enough, but they made it. And... Who knows where they go from here? I don't know if they'll be back to this level. I think they're closer to being like of Portland than they are to where they are this year because you're going to have Golden State back next year. 
Um, I would imagine the Clippers are better next year. Ooh, that's probably you know wishful thinking at this point. You're gonna have uh, it's gonna be tough. I don't know if they're gonna be able to. Dallas would be better. Uh, Sacramento, you would imagine, would be somewhat better. I don't know though. That might be a team that's getting close to being broken up as well. So who knows? Maybe they do come back. Who knows what happens with Houston? They, who knows? <laughs> but the finals is gonna be tough because you're gonna have Golden State and the Lakers. That's there. There. Period. Good luck going through those two teams. Switching gears over to the NFL. And Monday Night Football just got done. And, you know, this one was one that was interesting because the the Ravens came in favored. And I just don't understand how they were getting, how they were favored. How anybody was picking the Ravens to win this game. And we've seen it definitively uh, two times prior and then a third time tonight uh, as the Baltimore Ravens fall to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs one more again. This time, uh, 34 to 20, as the, the Chiefs just did whatever they want, wanted against the Baltimore defense. I don't know what people were thinking it was going to happen. You know, the number one scoring defense in Baltimore, and they do this, and they listen, listen. We've seen this. Like this, these guys are by and large new. No one who was on the who was added to either one of these teams is significantly altering the math here in in any significant in any way, and it proved to be true. Lamar Jackson, my boy, Lamar Jackson came in 4-0 in primetime. But he was 0-2 versus KC, now 0-3. I don't know what people thought was going to happen. KC was able to jump out to that early lead, put Lamar and them in a bind. And I I have to admit, when he is forced to be passed first, he has struggled. When the deficit, I think he was 0-9, now 0-10, if the deficit was more than 9 points. So that's something he's got to work on. He's got to figure out, maybe that's as simple as them working out the scheme in a way that he can become more of a rhythm passer without having to run first, I think that might be the next step is where they have to go, is develop him as a passer. You've gotten him developed as a runner. You can, he can do that. I don't, I, I, I've long argued that. They, they've spent too much time scheming runs in when they should just focus on passing. Look, if a guy's a good runner, he'll. you don't got to teach him how to run. You don't have to design a run for a guy who, who knows how to run. That that's the it seems like the biggest waste of a play call because that's always an option. So why the hell do you call that and limit yourself and and possibly risk all those negative plays and hits on the quarterback unnecessarily? It should be a, a weapon to catch him off guard, not something you're relying upon. So I would like to see them try that. Maybe he can't, but you you don't know unless you try it. That was something I argued with Cam Newton. They didn't let him do it enough. Um, and so I hope to see that more for Lamar going forward because clearly when you the way it's based right now, if he's not able to run it and they're not able to keep that offense on schedule, things fall apart really fast, and that's what happened uh, in this one. So that was that wrapped up a, a pretty, uh, I guess, a less tumultuous week because there weren't as many injuries, but still uh, a very eventful week because here in Chicago, the other big news across the NFL really was the benching of former number two overall pick, Mr. Trubisky, in favor of Nick Foles as he rallied the Bears back from a 16-point deficit to overcome the Atlanta Falcons, who have now blown a 15-point deficit, a 15, I'm sorry, 15-point lead in the fourth quarter uh, in back-to-back weeks after no team had done it twice in one season. So kudos to the hit, to the Falcons for making history. Um, the Bears are 3-0 for the first time since 2013. And Foles is now the starter, and... There's no way you can go back to Mr. Trubisky because the there's 
that was the decision that I think was made. I'm surprised at when it happened because despite the deficit, we saw Trubisky rally them back once before in this, from the same kind of hole against a lesser team, but still he had done it. Um, and it required the defense to make a stand at the goal line. They got lucky that a pass was dropped. And so I had to think a little bit harder and it, it probably was less of could he do it and more of the fact that he had to do it because of the inconsistency prior to that moment. You can't live that way. And many people who had complained that the Bears couldn't survive that way should be happy with the change or should commend the change. And I see a lot of their, a lot of hand-wringing over it instead. They failed to realize that while Foles was credited with three touchdowns, he threw five. He definitely threw five touchdowns. One was dropped by Anthony Miller, and the other one was ripped away from Allen Robinson on the play that usually you would think tight goes to the runner. But here's the thing. I could see them looking in the replay and saying that it went to that the, that it was picked off, but they ruled it a touchdown, and I don't know if there was enough there to overturn it. Even the uh, referee phoning into the TV broadcast agreed, but that's neither here nor there. In evaluation time, you're going to say they're going to say Foles threw five touchdowns because that should have been two more scores. On top of that, they had the missed field goal, which also would have altered it too. But that's neither here nor there. Well, on top of that, though, you had him get that pass early on to Jimmy Graham that just barely sailed over a defender's arms, and I want to say that that's that's a bad throw because he only completed 55 percent of his passes. He wasn't terrific. But, again, those two drops were huge. He only played for the final 12 minutes of the quarter, something like that, final nine minutes of the quarter. Of the third quarter, I'm sorry, on, uh, after Trubisky threw that awful interception. And you just felt like there was a better chance. They were attacking vertically as opposed to everything being horizontal. Um, they got aggressive. In the, in the shots, it wasn't just, you know, first down plus. It was aggressively down the field shots. And Foles hit Ted Ginn on the play that I swear they play, ran earlier and Mitch had missed. Uh, he hit Anthony Miller on the game winner on a play that Mitch had missed before the half that played into his benching. And I, I tweeted out a clip of pain of Mitch realizing and, and talking about how the, the throw that he missed was the one that Foles hit for the game winner. Um, and then you had Allen Robinson catching the pass for, for Foles and then ripping himself away from the defender and running for a touchdown 30-some-odd yards. That was incredible, and you just feel like they all got a boost from this, and hopefully it carries forward. And I remember saying out loud at the time that it happened that the Bears are going to win the Super Bowl. And I was speaking out of emotion, but I'm, I, I might not back off of it. I might just let that ride. They have a huge test coming up, and I'm going to be, look, be on the lookout for the breakdown of that of uh, on Last Run Pro Football about them versus the Indianapolis Colts. And that is a daunting, daunting task. Believe you me, this is not going to be an easy game. Uh, but I did write up this breakdown for Atlanta. Atlanta's awful. Atlanta's awful. And, and please check that out uh, on Last Run Pro Football. The Bears make the switch, uh, remain undefeated. And just, just you know, kind of digest what just happened there and, and really take a step back and think about what could happen now. Because if the Bears can get Foles to play like he did, which would, with a full week of practice, right? Now, granted, some of that is Atlanta's defense is not great, and they didn't game plan for Foles, but he didn't game plan. He came off cold and threw three tugs. Um, the pick that he threw was the one that Allen Robinson had ripped away that could have easily been a touchdown, should have been a touchdown. Robinson felt like it was a touchdown. Everybody does. Referee's mama felt like it was a touchdown. Whatever. 
this could be where they go, and not, maybe that's me being a homer. So you know, whatever. But that, that the Bears, Bears, I think the Bears are a playoff team. I'm gonna stick with that right now. The Bears are a playoff team. That's my prediction. They're going to the playoffs now. If they can keep him healthy, they'll go to the playoffs. And even if Mitch has to come in and win a game or so, I think they could make it to the playoffs. But that's 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 now right. And and sadly, they lost Terry Cohen, um, three Cohen to uh, torn ACL in this one, but. They made the right choice under center. So, get better, better going. Uh, he just signed that contract and, and got rolled up on in a fair catch situation that probably should have been a flag, but whatever. The refs were not in the Bears' favor that day. So, uh, they came away with the W. Hopefully, Cohen comes back at full strength next year. And, uh, again, I think the Bears now with Nick Foles in the, in the group or under center are a playoff team. So, um, that is kind of – kind of the, the thought process going forward and how you evaluate them in every aspect. So just be aware, be uh, aware of that when assessing them through the next few games because they got a tough stretch. Colts, then they, four days later, they got to play the Buccaneers. We talked about this. This is going to be a rough stretch for them. Let's see how they come out of this one because they just they just made a, a season-altering decision that I think uh, is for the best. And what they decided to do, I think what they, what they made the trade to do in the first place. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, in other news, quarterback news, Kyler Murray, ah, as you know, I have been the conductor of the Kyler Murray for MVP train, and uh, yeah, it took a major hit this week. He threw three picks against the Detroit Lions, gave them their first win, and uh, it, it it's it hurts. It hurts. But I, I have to say, he wasn't far out ahead anyway because uh, Russell Wilson is a bad man. 38-31 over Dallas. He threw five touchdowns, 14 touchdowns, only one pick, but his 14 touchdowns are the most, most touchdowns through three games in NFL history. He's also averaging a career high 308 passing yards per game, completing 76% of his passes. On his heels now are, is Josh Allen, who just came back to beat the Rams 35-32 on a play. He got a little bit of help from the refs, but, you know, whatever. Uh, four touchdowns himself, one rushing touchdown. He has now thrown 10 touchdowns and one pick. He's averaging 346 passing yards per game, 71% completion. Um, this one, look, I'm not I'm not jumping off the Kyler Murray for MVP bandwagon just yet, but it's definitely a, it's, it's hurting right now, okay, because these dudes are hooping, hooping, hooping. So it's going to take probably a couple of bad games for them for him to regain his position at top. And they even pulled close because of how bad his single game was and how scorching theirs have been so far. So uh, keep keep you updated. Had to be honest. Couldn't just keep on trying. You know, just let it slide. He had a horrible outing against the Detroit Lions. And, uh, yeah, Russ was hooping. Dallas looks bad. Dallas looks bad. That brings us to the next topic, the Ophers right now. Dallas is not an Ophir. And I'll talk to them about them before I get to the Ophers. But just know there's some bad teams. Dallas right now is 28th against the pass and 24th against the run. And they are doing a lot of Dak and a lot less running than you would expect. And that's kind of some Mike McCarthy, right? That's what I thought. I think we've seen this is full Mike McCarthy offense. A full this is the this is the Dallas Packers. They are the Dallas Packers. Circa 2018. That's what you're gonna see. Cause the the secondary is awful. They refuse to bring in Earl Thomas, who's actually visiting with Houston, which doesn't make any sense because Houston one of the Ophers is actually much worse against the run than they are against the pass. I'm not sure why you're bringing in Earl Thomas uh, to, to when you got you guys are getting gashed on the ground. Um, 
But yeah, Dallas has got to has got to fly right, and they're still probably the best team in that division. So we'll see what happens there. But to these offers that I was mentioning, <laughs> uh, you got the the New York Jets. Who come on, Adam Gase? I don't know how Adam Gase is, keeps getting jobs. He'll probably get another one after this. This is not a good look for them. Uh, they traded Jamal Adams. The defense is bad. Sam Darnold is is seeing ghosts again. Remember that quote from a few years ago? Well, it's back, and they're just injured everywhere. Um, Le'Veon Bell's the unwanted running back who's hurt, not hurt, tweeting out he's not nothing wrong with his hamstrings, and then they he's he's on the IR with the hamstrings. It's just it's all bad. Nothing's good coming out of the situation, and you just hate to see it. They're definitely in the running for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Denver Broncos. This is a lot of injuries too, but you feel for Denver because J- I like Drew Locke. Seen him on the side with the Jeezy, but I like that team. Uh, Cortland Sutton tore his ACL. Um, after having AC, after having an AC joint injury in his shoulder the week prior, uh, just banged up. Von Miller's down. They just lost. Um, who did they just lose? They just lost another player as well. Uh, Jarrell Casey, who they traded for from the Tennessee Titans. It's just not good. His injuries are just ravaging these teams. And that's Vic Fangio, former Bears defensive coordinator. So feel bad for Vic and those guys out there um, taking these hits. Lock. Hopefully we'll come back though, but it's it's just bad. Philip Lindsay's been hurt. Like, oh my gosh, you just hate to see it. Hate to see it. Joe Burrow, number one overall pick, and the Cincinnati Bengals are 0-2 and one. They tied with the Cincinnati Bengals, who, or to, with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, who we'll address in a second. But Burrow is taking 14 sacks, which is the most in the NFL right now. 31st in rushing yards allowed. Their defense is, and 27th in yards per carry allowed. That defense is bad. Burrow looked a little bit better, not trying to force it to A.J. Green this past game. But the Bengals are far off from a contender, and they are going to need a lot of help. And this might be for the best. He can work out the kinks now. They can maybe come back and get him Jamar Chase next year. And boom, that's an instant instant help uh, for that offense. They need to work on that protection, too, because that offensive line is bad. As a, I say that as a fantasy owner of Joe Mixon. <laughs> um, Houston Texans, like I talked about, they're having problems, man. Deshaun Watson has taken the second most sacks in the NFL that run defense is the worst in the NFL, 28 yards per carry, 5.2. But they have played against the uh, Chiefs, Ravens, and Steelers, so that's not they're facing slouches, right? Maybe they get it past somewhat, but that they got to fix that protection. Otherwise, Deshaun Watson is going to have uh, a short career. Philadelphia Eagles, like I said, 0-2-1. Wentz is, throwing, is averaging 4.0 air yards per attempt. That is the lowest in the NFL. That's uh, He's also tied with Kirk Cousins with six picks to lead the league. That's not good. Uh, he's taking the third most sacks. So Burrow, Watson, and Wentz are just getting beat up right now. But we know the Eagles' offensive line has just been thrashed. Their skill positions have been torn apart. It's just not a good look for them at all either. And you just wonder how long can he hold up because, you know, you're hearing talks about his, his psyche already. There was the issue with Nick Foles and the team liked him and, they talked about Carson holding the ball, trying to make the big play, and he's been injury-prone, even though he played all last year. Then the team spends a second-round pick on Jalen Hurts, and whew, just a lot going on right now, and that's not what you expect for a team that won the Super Bowl a few years ago. Just just a few short years ago. My, how, the, how time changes things. It's crazy. It's crazy. We'll see, we'll see what happens there. Uh, with the Giants, Daniel Jones has thrown four picks, and injuries have taken out, obviously, Saquon Barkley. Um, Sterling Shepard's also injured. Golden Tate missed time. Evan Ingram, I think, has missed some time. Just they've had a rest. Lost DeAndre Baker. Like it's just bad. 
all bad for the Giants. The Packers, this one holds some special interest to me because um, they, while they face some good teams in the Packers, Colts, and Titans, Kirk Cousins, like I said, has tied with Carson Wentz for the six picks to lead the league. His six picks tie his entire 2019 total. Kirk Cousins is averaging his fewest air yards per attempt since his second year in the league when he was still with the Washington Redskins and not playing a full season as a starter. He has his highest sack percentage of his career, 8.2. Previously, that was 7.1. That, again, was back in Washington. That was his last season there. Um, but Minnesota is first in yards per carry offensively running the ball. So there's a clear, definitive course of action for the Vikings if they want to get off the schneid here. Um, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook. And when you can't Dalvin Cook anymore, Alex Madison, because Kirk Cousins ain't it, fam. This ain't working. Stop it. That's sad. They paid him all that money. Just got an extension. You know, you know, <laughs> maybe stop giving Kirk Cousins new money because every time he gets some new money, he starts to F it up. Fumble in the back. Although, shout out to Justin Jefferson. He had a monster game this past uh, week and uh, against the Tennessee Titans, a game that Minnesota should have won. That one was bad. Um, they were shooting out against the Packers. He looked awful against the Colts, and that's that's scary for my Bears. Um, but against the Titans, they were winning that game, and then he just melted down. Just not a good look. Not a good look. And then the Falcons, we talked about them uh, blowing those leads first time in NFL history. A team has blown two 15-plus point leads in fourth quarter uh, in one season, let alone back-to-back weeks. Dan Quinn reportedly won't be fired this week, but he's on a very uh, crucial stretch of games. The luxury of birth in the Super Bowl grants you, I guess, when you're Dan Quinn, because he, he probably should have been gone. Everybody thought that this would be the game that would get him gone, and especially the way it happened. And then you saw him frustrated on the sideline afterwards. It's not good. There, there's not not a lot of good happening right now in these offers, man, for them to be proud of or to look forward to. Um, Sunday Night Football thought. Just one thing, just a real quick thought. Drew Brees looks old. Uh, he looks like, like his mind is still there, but the body can't do it. We'll see if that's just the lack of preseason for him to get warmed up. But he looks like he's old. Um Taysom Hill looks like the league's caught up to him. Will we see Jameis Winston this season? That's one question that I think I have about this. But Drew Brees definitely didn't look like himself. They definitely missed Michael Thomas as well. But Brees has not looked right. And who knows how long that holds up. Maybe he will be shut down at some point. But I think that's my big takeaway from that, from Sunday Night Football. Aaron Rodgers still looks like Aaron Rodgers. He's averaging like 11 yards per attempt. Like he's out here chucking it. With, without Devontae Adams. Um, but Drew Brees did not look good. And so that's something that, I, you know, maybe he needs to crowd or who that they need to rally in, but it didn't. It hasn't looked great for him this season. We'll see what happens. Again, Packers defense, that, that, that those uh, pass rushers aren't slouches either. So maybe that has something to do with it. But it didn't look great for Drew. Rodgers looks fine. We'll see how they Drew Drew and, and Brady look about how you would expect them to look. Very dependent on the matchup now. Um, older guys, close to the end. And, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're seeing that play out. But, uh, yeah, that, that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, be on the lookout, like I was talking about, for that for that breakdown of the Colts, Bears, and, and the tough matchup ahead of the Bears. Not only with Phillip Rivers on the center, but also that defense in Indy is something serious this season. They uh, lead the league in picks, and they are um, killing it in rushing defense, too. So, be on the lookout for that. That's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Follow me on Twitter at Joshie Buck. 
Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com. Email address, clockersports at gmail.com. And, of course, read the stuff. Last run of pro football, Pip It Ain't Easy. Uh, that's going to be the article about the decisions of guard packs costing them the job while Rajon Rondo and Jimmy Butler are finals now. And, of course, we uh, very good at money making stuff. And that stuff gets shaken again as well. So, uh, until the very next time, you already know what it is, man. <laughs>